You all can be seated as we pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Thank you for the privilege of meeting here. Thank you that you are in our midst, that you want to meet with us. You want to speak to us through your word. You want to transform our lives through that word by the power of your spirit and give us strength as we go out there into a world that's hurting. Lord, you want to give us your strength, your hope, your joy, your purpose in a world that's looking for a way. Help us to shine that light. I pray that you speak to us, transform us, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week, Daryl was uh, giving me a hard time because I wear plaid a lot. So he said, hey, I'm going to wear plaid next week. And so we invited everybody to wear plaid. And we said we'd take a, a group shot at the end of service. So if you're wearing plaid today, boom. All right. We could take a group shot right up here. That's a cool club to be a part of. Many don't know there's a difference between different plaids, though. There's a plaid for every season, every occasion. It's really, you got once you get into it, not every plaid is the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, 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 that's a cool club to be a part of, the Plaid Club. But I want to invite you guys to be part of an even more important club, something I've been challenged in, a club that wants to grow in their prayer lives, uh, a club that wants to take God up at his word of who he is and his invitation to talk with him nonstop throughout the day to, to, to have that conversation. So the Plaid Club's cool, cool, but I hope at the end of the day we'll have even more people in the, the prayer club. That's what we're talking about today is prayer. Because at the end of writing about spiritual battle, we don't believe it ends with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God last week. Paul goes on to talk about one last very important thing. Ephesians 6.18, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's sending up requests. If you're like, what in the world is supplication? <laughs> sending up requests. And also for me, he says, Paul the Apostle says, pray for me. Listen, if Paul the Apostle is asking for prayer, <laughs> I, I dare say we need it too. He says, pray for me that, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He wants boldness as he talks about Jesus to the world around him. A gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That means he's locked up. He's probably literally chained to a Roman soldier for preaching the gospel. He says, pray that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we're going to talk about prayer. If you're like me, you hear that word and right away you're like, man, that's an area I could stand to grow in. That's how I felt all week as I studied this. But here's how I want us to take it. Not as everybody walking out of here like, oh, man, such a bad person because I don't pray that much. I want it to be an invitation. Like, whoa, there's this God who wants to talk with me. And he's powerful and he's holy and he's loving and he invites me in. I'm going to take him up on that. that. That's my hope. So this morning on the way in. I wanted to call our prayer leader, Rick. He's at home these days due to COVID concerns with him and his wife, but, but he's still out there praying. He's a prayer warrior, and I wanted to call him and pray for this morning, this, this service. So I asked Jaden in the truck, could you hold my phone and turn on the speaker so I don't get arrested? And he calls up Rick, and, and you, know, you ever have that where you hear a phone answer, but nobody's talking, and you hear the whoosh, 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 whoosh in the pocket? 
So I start going, Rick, <laughs> Rick. Ask Jaden, we did that for about a minute, and finally, hello? <laughs> he says, I'm sorry, Scott, I had my phone on vibrate, but I heard this noise coming out of my pocket, and I say, yeah, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's just me. <laughs> But uh, let's pray. Let's pray for this morning that God would do what he wants to do. And we prayed. And I thought about that. And I'm like, man, it, that could be an awesome picture. Is, is it ever true that, that we know about this awesome God out there who wants to talk to us, wants to talk with us, but sometimes we, we stuff them in our pocket? Maybe buried under our wallet or chapstick or whatever else is going on in our lives. And he's in there saying, Scott, <laughs> Scott, I want to talk with you. And the invitation this morning is to take him up on that, to listen to that still small voice and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to take you out of the pocket of my life and, and engage this conversation. It is an important part of the battle. Don't, don't try this spiritual battle without prayer. As we go through this morning, we're going to pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and share a lot of verses that talk about prayer in hopes that it will inspire us to take them up on it. We're also going to share from men of the past who have been challenged by this need to pray. I spent a lot of time looking through history this week, reading writings and and sermons from centuries ago from, from men who took God up on this, and I learned so much, and, and I pray it will be a blessing to you as well. J.H. Jowett said this. He said, it is in the field of prayer that life's critical battles are lost or won. We must conquer all circumstances there. I am saying in the spiritual realm what Lord Fisher once said in the realm of material warfare. Compel your enemy to fight you on your own drill ground. He goes on. He says, when we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil on the drill ground of prayer, we have a certain victory. Let us bring our evil thoughts to the field of prayer. Let us drive our insane prejudices and our malicious practices and our tyrannical passions to the same field. Let us fight them on the drill ground of prayer and slay them there. Men ought always to bring their evil antagonisms and difficulties into the presence of God. Force them into God's holy place and there fight and slay. Men ought always to pray, and they will not faint in the heaviest day. Wow. He puts it in the terms of the battle, right? You want to overcome in your life, you bring that challenge, that situation before God in prayer and fight there. That's where we need to fight. Paul's praying for boldness. He's locked up. He's saying, pray that I stay bold. And, and you know that prayer was answered. He, he stayed bold till the end of his life where he could look back and say, I have fought the good fight. That was a prayer that was answered. He was in chains. This reminded me of a story we, we talked about at our dinner table last week. We're going through this devotional for teens. And they talked about Russia, USSR in the 70s when it was still under the KGB and there was an underground church meeting, and some KGB soldiers stormed in with their weapons. And they said, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, stand up right now. Everybody else can leave. 
And a group in that room stood up. The rest of them left. You know what the people in the KGB said? We've recently turned to Christ ourselves. We wanted to worship with the people who really believe. So now let's have a service. That's the kind of boldness Paul was praying for. And stories like that with the KGB used to sound further away than they do now. Right? Are we prepared for the spiritual war? Are we going to be bold no matter what comes, no matter what turns in our world, in our country? Are you ready in God's power to be bold? Where's this boldness come from? It's not from us. Any of you know what an oxpecker is? Let me explain. <laughs> it's a bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> it's a bird in Africa. All right. And you know where they spend most of their time? On the backs of rhinos. Now, I thought about those birds. Out on their own, they're, they're subject to all kinds of predators, including other birds of prey. But you know what happens when they get on the back of the rhino? They probably sit a little taller. Say, nobody going to bother me here. I'm on a rhino. That's how it is with God. When we take everything in our lives to God and we realize we are living in the presence of an almighty God, we're like that little oxpecker riding on the rhino. That's why James says in 4.7, submit yourselves therefore to God. That's first. Make sure you're in his presence, living in obedience, walking in his power. Only then does it say resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't, don't try it on your own, in other words. One of the things we're realizing in our home is having a three-year-old that we love also keeps us very busy, and by default, he gets a lot of our time as parents. So last week, over this past month, God's been challenging me, man, we need to be creative about finding ways to spend time alone with each other as, as spouses to get out and talk. And, and not only that, but for me to spend alone time with my other boys too, because sometimes in the middle of the busyness. It... So we got a little more intentional about that. On Mondays, Carolyn and I put Luke in the back of the van and we go get coffee while he falls asleep. And then we talk and pray. I asked the boys what they want to do. And Evan says, I want to go to Walmart and Home Depot. So I went with him and Jaden wanted to go hiking. And while we were hiking, uh, we found some Stuff I never knew was in PV. If you start at Fane Park and go off to the right, if you keep going and get under the Stone Ridge Bridge, there's some crazy graffiti under there. I don't recommend that you read it all, but it's like city quality tagging underneath that bridge. But as we walk, we talked about life. We talked about life and, and walking with God, and, and we prayed at the end. And one of the things that made me smile Jay, my 14-year-old, in the truck says, Satan's got to hate this. <laughs> I said, you bet he does. You bet he does. He doesn't want us talking about walking with God and, and praying together. Satan hates it when we pray. It's the source of our victory and our strength. And it, it's from beginning to end with this walk with God, this, this prayer thing. From that very first moment where you realize you need a relationship with God through Jesus, what's Paul saying in Romans 10? It starts, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is made right, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It starts with prayer, and it carries on to the end with prayer, all right up to that 
looking back at Paul did and said, I have fought the good fight. It, it's all surrounded in prayer. Thomas Guthrie was an author who, who compared Christians to whales. You know, whales, dolphins, other mammals in the sea can only stay underwater so long. They have to go up for air or they will die. Thomas Guthrie said it's the same in the Christian life. You have got to go up for air in prayer and talk to the Father or you will shrivel spiritually. You know what it takes? Sometimes to make a change in our lives, it takes a moment where we get bold and we say no more excuses. No more excuses for not praying. Last week we talked about the Word of God, which is the, the sword of the Spirit. And I met with a young father and, and husband and he, he looked at me across a lunch table and said, I need to get back in the Word of God during the week. I said, where do you want to start? He said, the book of John. So we're going to tackle that together. And one of the things that made me smile was when he said, no more excuses. I said, yes, God is still on the move in this dark world. You grab a father, you grab a whole family. And that's where, where change starts. It could start with you too. No more excuses, whether it's the Word of God or prayer. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I wonder if we could have a room full of people here who would seek God with all their heart. What would happen in our prayer lives and the world as a result? Petra, one of my favorite song titles by them, Get on your knees and fight like a man. Now you think about battle, on your knees sounds like a weird place to fight, but in the spiritual battle, it's the only place to fight. On our knees, talking to our Father. So as we go through today and look at God's Word, I want to bring out three things that will help us grow in our prayer lives. The, the first thing is we've got to make sure when we pray that we are focused on God. Focused on God and His glory and His kingdom and aware of His presence. Focused on Him. That's important. I want to share a story here of something that happened yesterday. This is Luke's fire truck. And he likes to ride around on this. He just kicks it with his feet. But yesterday, he came up with a pretty cool idea. He's got this lizard, right? And I heard something. I looked down. Here's what Luke had done. He had turned on the lizard. He goes like that. And he put it in here. Let's see if I can get it going. Makes a lot of noise, right? Sounds like a motor in there, but guess what? It's lots of noise and, and no power, right? <laughs> Making lots of noise, but it ain't going somewhere. And I thought about that, and I thought sometimes that's how it is in our prayer lives because we turn prayer into much less than what it is. We turn it into kind of a, a mindless ritual that we just go through. We mimic the same words day after day, not really focusing on God, not really focusing on anything, it's a lot of noise with, with no power. We have to be focused on God. Focused when we pray in His will. Matthew 6, 6-8, what did Jesus say about this focus? He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See that focus on the Father? The Father. The Father. 
Some of us read that passage and say, well, I don't go out on the street corners and pray like the Pharisees, so I'm good. But David Martin Lloyd-Jones, a preacher of years past, pointed out we can have the same attitude when we pray on our own. Uh, we can go in there and quickly be ready to go tell others about how much time we spent in there. Make sure they think we're, we're holy. That could be a reason for praying a lot, right? At Moody Bible Institute, they had about nine or ten prayer closets on the floor where you could go in, and, and that could easily become a show for the other people on that floor if you're not careful, right? It's good to go pray, but if you're watching to see who sees you go in and you make sure they see you've been in there a while, that's the wrong reason. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way, sometimes even when we try to persuade ourselves that we are worshiping God, we are actually worshiping ourselves and doing nothing more. Even there, self is intruding into itself, and the temptation is for the prayer to think about himself, to think pleasantly and pleasurably about himself, and really to be worshiping himself rather than God. So we got to go beyond the ritual to say, am I really focused on God and what he wants to say and what he wants to do in my life? Some things that will help with that. we got to realize who we're praying to. We are praying to a holy and almighty king who created the universe, who sent his son to die for our sins and rise again. A holy and almighty king. You know what that inspires? Reverence. Yes, God is our father. We have preached that plenty, but don't forget he's the holy and almighty king. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He says, let us beware of playing at praying. Do you think that the king of heaven is delighted to hear you pronounce words with a frivolous tongue and a thoughtless mind? You do not know him. He is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it inspires reverence when we realize he's a holy and almighty king, but it also inspires faith because he is an almighty king. An old poem said it this way, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. You're coming to the almighty God of the universe. Don't, don't stop with praying about your hangnail on your toe. Bring the big stuff to him, stuff that you have no idea what to do with because he is almighty. J.H. Jowett said this, Many of our troubles lose their fictitious stature when we bring them into the presence of the eternal God. I love that. I think about the spies that went in to explore the, the promised land, right? All 12 of them saw the obstacles. Okay, They all saw the, the big people that lived there. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes, but two of them, Joshua and Caleb, also saw a God who was bigger. You want to see that bigger God. You, you focus in on who he is. He's the holy and almighty king. You bring your circumstances there and say, yes, these are big. But you are so much, so much bigger. It also inspires confession when we realize we're talking to a holy king. Do we spend time confessing anymore when we talk to God? Listen to James 4.2. You desire and do not have. So you murder. You covet. And cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Listen to this. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. When you ask God for stuff, have you ever asked him to show your motives? Like, God, is this 
really reflect in your heart, or is this just kind of a selfish, sinful thing? All about me, my glory that I'm praying for. That's an important thing to do, and then confess it. But here's the awesome flip side. He's not only a whole, holy and almighty king, he's also a loving father. A loving father to those who turn in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ. Because some of us think about praying to that holy and almighty king, and we're like, wow, I'm not, how could I even start? I don't deserve to be there, and you're right, we don't, but for the blood of Jesus. It's a throne of grace. That's why Hebrews 4.16 has let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 10.10, here's where the confidence comes from. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You come in under the blood of Jesus Christ and he'll treat you as he treats his own precious son. That's the confidence you come in with. It inspires confidence, love, and affection. Abraham was referred to as the friend of God. He had these conversations with God. We can do the same thing. Think about when God came to him and said, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham bargained with him, talked him down. If you can find this many people, will you spare it? And they went back and forth. Think of the boldness to talk with God that way. Why did, why did Abraham have that boldness? Because he had a relationship of love with God. You can bring your requests boldly before God. But not just requests. How many of us for prayer, we think of prayer and we think of requests, and that's where it ends. That's only one small part of a prayer life. He does want us to bring our requests, but that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Have you ever thought about this, like being, as J.H. Jowett put it, a wandering child walking in the companionship of the Father in heaven? He talked about being at a prayer meeting where, where a guy just started kind of wandering like that, talking with God, and here's the way he described it. This, this man was evidently a disciplined traveler in the realms of grace. He left the field of petition asking God for stuff, and he went wanderingly and wonderingly along among the unsearchable riches of Christ, as though he were straying among the amazing glories of matchless woods. Somebody else in the meeting yelled at him, Brother, ask God for something. Ask God for something. <laughs> but J.H. Jowett said the brother did not seem to have anything to ask for just then. It was quite enough to be walking with his father in the boundless realms of grace. Do we spend time doing that? Being aware of his presence? Worshiping him? Soaking it in that he's here? I've told many of you guys when this church next door journey started, it's, it started four times in four days. He brought me that passage with Moses at the burning bush and God calls him as God was tugging us to start this church. And I had the same question Moses had, who am I, Lord? Who am I? And four times in four days, the answer was, I will be with you. It is God's presence that keeps us going day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. And that's not just true in our lives. If Whatever you're called to, it's when you realize he's with you in what he's called you to that you can keep on keeping on. I will be with you. So we need to be aware and focused on God's presence. Who are we talking to? Make it more than just a ritual. We also need to persevere in prayer. This world will beat you down. 
We need to persevere. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And as Sam reminded me, that creates a nice acronym to help you remember it. Ask. The word itself is ask, seek, knock, right? For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. But how many of you know sometimes you feel like you've been knocking for a while? Some of you know that. Some of you know that. Yesterday, I got back from an early morning run. I go out while it's still cool so I don't die of heat stroke. And usually I take the keys, but Evan was up, so I thought I'd just go out without the keys. I got back, and... No answer. <laughs> Four or five times. I didn't want to wake Luke up, so I was doing it quietly and not ringing the doorbell. So then I pull out my technology. I'm like, all right, let's text Carolyn and Jaden. Uh, no an- answer there. Turns out Carolyn's phone was on airplane mode, and they were sleeping. And then I'm like, uh, let's try to text Evan on his iPad. No answer. So finally, I got on FaceTime with Evan, and I see his face on there. I said, hey, can you please come open the door? <laughs> Finally, little Evan came and opened it. I had to persevere to get in that house. (laughs) And it's like that with prayer sometimes. God doesn't always give us the answer we're seeking or even the answer he wants to give us right away. He wants us to persevere in that relationship of prayer. Luke 18.1, Jesus told a parable about this. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. We got some of those today, I think. (laughs) Sorry, we're not going to go there. We just did. All right. And, And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What's Jesus saying there? Is he saying God the Father is this unrighteous judge? Not at all. He's saying if this unrighteous judge even gave in because of the persevering prayer of this poor widow, how much more will you father in heaven? How much more? I think about this with a relative in Ohio who we had told about Jesus. And years went by and, and he wasn't ready for it. But our small group out here kept praying for him. And then one Easter Sunday, while his family was away, he got up and I believe it was God tugging him. He decided to just get up and go to church. And he ended up walking the aisle that morning all by himself and gave his life to Jesus. After years of prayer, I think about Dave and Sandy. They, they go to a nursing home in town. What's it called? Arizona. Arizona Angels. Really cool name. And they have fun with it, too. Sometimes we think of ministry and outreach almost... Oh, it's, they have fun with it. They go down there and they play games with the people. 
And they even have fun with the staff. I think Sandy told me one time they, that she said to the staff, hey, if you give us any trouble, we're going to bring bean burritos to these residents instead of pizza next time. <laughs> you, can, you can get out there for Jesus and have fun, okay? But she told me a cool story a couple weeks ago. They go in there and they, they read the Bible and they pray with these people. And uh, she sent me a picture a couple weeks ago, too. They had some people out front in wheelchairs with cardboard that said, Elderly Lives Matter. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lady there named Twyla. Twyla, 88. Just three or four weeks ago, they introduced Twyla to Jesus. She, She received Jesus as her Savior. In light of this message, you know what I thought about? How many people have prayed for Twyla for how many years? And here she is at 88 possibly on the doorstep of eternity, and she finally gave her life to Jesus. Don't give up in prayer. Sometimes we just got to persevere. R.A. Torrey, an associate of D.L. Moody, who founded Moody Bible Institute, which we love because we were there, he, he did a revival one time, and he was preaching the gospel, and he saw 18 young women about 20 years old stand up. And there was another lady with them, and those 18 women gave their lives to Christ. The other lady that was with them said to R.A. Torrey, that's my Bible class. I've been praying for their conversion, and every one of them has accepted Jesus Christ today. Never underestimate your prayers. You may or may not be the one that gets to see them come in, but pray. Pray for those kids. Pray for those family members. Pray for those neighbors. Pray for those coworkers. Perseverance, that's the second one. The final one, we need to pray with expectation and faith. I think of one of the Psalms that says something to the effect of, I lay my prayer before you in the morning and then I watch. Do we have that kind of expectation when we pray where we put it up to God and then we watch? Like, what's he going to do with this? Or do we just kind of leave it there and like, all right, back to life as normal? Listen to James 4.2. James says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. That verse not only pricks me a little bit, but it inspires me as it should inspire you to ask, is there any reality that I could be experiencing in my life right now, but I'm not simply because I haven't asked? And if God puts his finger on that, then you go home and start asking. You have not because you ask not. You remember the, the dad with the demon-possessed boy. The disciples tried to cast the demon out, and they couldn't. And Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration, and they want to figure out what's up. What's up? Like, why couldn't we do it? Mark nine twenty nine. he says, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer. There are things in your life that you will not experience unless you ask for them in faith. There are victories to be had you will not experience unless you ask for them by faith. Breakthroughs, things that can be overcome and torn down in your life, but will not happen unless you ask God in faith to move. That inspires me to get on my knees. In Matthew's account of this story, Matthew 17, 19, They say, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. And I don't know what your view is of God. 
I think some of us view him as a miser. Like when he gives us grace, he's like, okay, here's a couple pennies. Now get out of here. That's not the God my Bible describes. He's a generous God who loves to give gifts to his children. Listen to Matthew 7, 9. Jesus says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, does that mean you're going to get every Lamborghini and mansion you ever pray for? No. Right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but not always. What does it mean? He's a good God who loves to get good gifts that he deems fit to his kids. He's a provider. I think about this spot. You haven't heard all the stories about how we got here. We, we wanted to move from the school because of the uh, strong restrictions. Everybody had to be masked up, including the preacher and worship team, and no kids' ministry allowed. And we said, we'll check back in in a few months. But we started praying for where we're going to go. We found a place at the mall in Prescott. It would have been awesome. We almost sealed the deal. But then Paul at our elders' meeting said, hey, could we just wait for the weekend? and see if anything turns up in Prescott Valley. And so we did, and we prayed. And then Tuesday, it hit me. I was like, there's this place here. I know the guy that owns the hot tub store here. Carol and I stayed with him during our internship at the Heights and great Christian family. I knew this place was for lease for 2500 a month, which was a lot more than, than we could afford. I thought, let me call his son there and see how much it would be for just Sundays. So I called him at 2 on Tuesday. At 3 o'clock, I was walking through here with both the son and the dad, and he was giving me a price offer, 500 a month plus utilities for Sunday morning. <laughs> God, God provided this spot. Some of you long-timers, and this is one of the risks of a pastor who sticks around. Some of you have heard this before, but <laughs> I love this story. I love this story. One time we were in between health insurance coverages, we were getting off of one onto another one, and there was a gap in between, and we weren't covered. And as a dad, I woke up at 3 in the morning freaking out a little bit, like, oh, God, what am I going to do with this? What, what if something happens? Anybody ever worry at night? That was me. I got up in the morning, and my quiet time was in Job. Job, talk about a man who was plagued by the difficulties of this world, but God showed up. He never quite told him why it happened, but God did tell him who God is. He's in control and loved him. And in the midst of that, Job 39, he, he says this to Job. Do you, do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They, they crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. And it was like God was saying to Job, hey, Job, I'm in control. I got this. And he was saying the same thing to me. I care for deer that you never even think about or see out there. Of course I'm going to care for you. And then God went over the top, put the icing on the cake. I went out for a, a hike later that day to pray some more and found a water hole with some ducks on it. And I want to take a picture of the ducks. And as I snapped... I did a double take. You know what jumped out from behind a bush and right into my picture? And I can show you the picture on my phone if you want. A deer. 
And you know what followed that, dear? Three or four little ones. My God, you are so gracious. You not only showed me on the pages of Scripture you got me, you showed me out here right in front of my eyes. And it wasn't long before the approval went through. Man, we can take those concerns to God. He hears us. And he's a good father who loves to answer. Sometimes he doesn't always give us what we want or doesn't always take away what we wish he would. Sometimes he gives us strength for the storm, right? Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked the Father, if there's any other way, take this cup. But he closed by saying, not my will, but, but yours be done. And the Father sent an angel to strengthen him. And I love that passage in John. He was so strong after that. When they showed up and said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. They fell back in fear. He was ready for the cross. He had prayed to his Father and his Father strengthened him. R.A. Torrey did a study of the book of Acts, and I'd encourage you to check it out. He said, every chapter in the book of Acts from 2 to 28, you'll find some note of victory in the early church where the church is overcoming, people are getting saved, or the word of God is spreading. And it was all in the midst of opposition, intense opposition, like nothing most of us have ever experienced. He said, why was that? You go back to Acts chapter 2, in the verses 42 through 47, one of the things it says there, they were a church devoted to prayer. That's why you see victory in the midst of opposition in, in every chapter. God loves to, to bless us with what we need to be faithful to him. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I must get rid of this thought that God is standing between me and my desires and that which is best for me. I must see God as my father who has purchased my ultimate good in Christ and is waiting to bless me with his own fullness in Christ Jesus. What kind of view do you have of God the Father? That's why Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You take that thing you're going through and you find Satan saying, God doesn't care about you here. He forgot about you. He's left you out to dry. You remember the cross? We talked about this last week. God sent his son to die for me. You think he's not going to care about this? My goodness, where's our faith? John Wesley, how many of you have heard of him? Great evangelist. Turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did not know that at the beginning of his ministry, there were 12 years that he described as ministry without power and without joy. You know what the turning point was? He, he recorded it in his journal. We don't have to guess. In his diary, he wrote, I resolved, one, to devote an hour every morning and evening to private prayer. No pretense or excuse, whatever. And two, to converse with God. No lightness, no foolish talking. From there, the revival began. I wonder how many of us would be willing to make a similar commitment. No excuses. R.A. Torrey said this, if you won't stay with God long, you won't be much like him. 
If we want to be like God, we have to spend time in an awareness of his presence in prayer. He also said this. Our machinery, he's talking about the church, our machinery is wonderful. It's just perfect, but alas, it is machinery without power. I believe the devil stands and looks at the church today and laughs in his sleeve as he sees its members depend on their own scheming and powers of organization and skillfully devised machines. (laughs) He laughs. You, you may have your costly church edifices, your multi-thousand dollar church organs, your university-bred preachers, your fine sopranos and altos and tenors and basses, your immense men's Bible classes, your Bible conferences and institutes, your special evangelistic services. All you please of them, you can have. It does not in the least trouble me if you will only leave out of them the power of the Lord God Almighty sought and obtained by the earnest, persistent, believing prayer that will not take no for an answer. He turns the corner go. He says, but when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church On his face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did. For he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Man, if nothing else in this sermon inspired you to pray, what if we just tried it? Try it for a week. Go home and try it. I think the other thing about faith is trusting him in the hard times. Because of that fact that God doesn't always give us what we want. But sometimes he gives us something better. I'll give you an example. You guys know that used minivan we got last year, which we're so thankful for. It's been awesome for the most part. But uh, the past couple of weeks, we noticed the blower fan in the AC. You turn it on. Sounds like a motorcycle under the hood. So we had to take that into the shop. And I went into the shop. And... I didn't want a, a broken AC motor in my van. Didn't pray for it. Didn't ask for it. I went in there and I'm waiting for the fix and I'm calling a couple people from church that can't come yet because of COVID and praying with them and talking with them. And, and Mark back here is behind the counter and he says, hey, what church is that you go to? And I told him the church next door and he said, you know a big guy with a ponytail? And I said, yeah, Lemuel. He sits right up here usually. He's not here today. He said, they brought their van in here, and I saw the sticker. He's like, I just noticed something. The people that come in here from churches seem to have a lot more joy than everybody else right now. He said, could you write down some info about your church? Tell me when you meet. And here he is. We, we talked a little bit about Jesus, and, and uh, he's here with his friend Laura. God works. I didn't, I didn't ask for a broken motor vac, but I'll take that every day if, if it means meeting somebody and pointing them to Jesus. You say, all right, I'm inspired. <laughs> I want to go out of here and do this. A couple of things, I would not encourage you to do it alone. If you're married, Talk to your spouse and say, hey, can we keep each other accountable on this? If you're not married, find a friend and say, I want to commit to to being a person of prayer. And I I thought of, hey, some some people really like to lock it down in a plan. And 
I don't present this as the only way to pray, but if you're looking for a good place to start, this is one way of many. I have a seven-day idea. You take one of these every day and focus in on it for however long you pray. What if every Sunday when you woke up, you prayed for Church Next Door and its ministries and the American church to, to grow in Christ-likeness and effectiveness? Wouldn't that be a cool way? To, before we've even come in here, we pray that God will work in this church and the American church in general. Monday, pray for yourself and your family to grow in Christ-likeness and effectiveness and any personal needs that are weighing on you. Tuesday, Five people you know who need to come to Jesus and pray that you'd be ready when the opportunity arises. Wednesday, overseas missionaries and churches, persecuted Christians. They have it a lot rougher than we do. Will McCoy asked me to remind the church that June 29th this week is the day of the martyr. The day of the Christian martyr. Thursday, salvation and wisdom for government leaders and revival in our nation. What if we went beyond posting on Facebook to praying about what we see out there? Many of you have heard of John Knox. God used him to turn Scotland upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he had a son-in-law who was the prayer engine behind that. His son-in-law, John Welch, was the man who said, Give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. And, and he, he said that for him... A day where he didn't spend seven or eight hours in prayer was a wasted day. And I don't know if you read that like me, like, whoa. <laughs> now, I'm not saying every one of us has to go out there and pray seven or eight hours, okay? But I'm looking at my life, and maybe you're looking at yours and saying, there's a big distance between where I'm at and seven and eight hours. Maybe I could grow at least a little. And I know Paul says pray without ceasing, and I believe that, but sometimes for some of us what that turns into is an excuse to never pray. Oh, I just We say that, but do we do it? Give me Scotland or I die. What if we had that heart for our country on Thursdays at least? Salvation and wisdom for government leaders and revival in our nation. Friday, praise and thanksgiving to God for who he is and what he's done. Just spend time thanking him for who he is. And what he's done. Saturday, confession. Search my heart. Show me any wicked way in me. Obviously, I'd encourage you to blend some of these elements in every day. But what if we had a focus that helped us? I'll put that on our Facebook page. I want to close with a couple more challenges. R.A. Torrey. It's Isaiah that said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Right? He says, if you're trying to serve God in your poor, weak way, quit it. Your duty is to serve God in His strong, triumphant way. But you say, I have no natural ability. Then get supernatural ability. We should perform our service with supernatural power ministered by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And you know what? That does not come apart from prayer to the measure we need it. William Clough, 1911. This is 1911. It could have been written yesterday. In the rush and stress of life, and never more than in these days when the song of speed is on every man's tongue, we tend to lose a sure and clear consciousness of God 
in this busy and engrossing world when the mind is filled every morning with all the news of the ends of the earth and the interest of the heart is held as the eyes are held by a drama on the stage, God falls out of men's thoughts. If men will not sometimes think of God, he will merely become a name to them. If they glance to him only now and again, and with an unobservant and undesiring eye, he will become strange and shadowy and will remain unknown. It is in prayer that we rise most swiftly and most convincingly into faith which sees. Even though a man may kneel with a haze over his mind and a chill upon his spirit, he will not kneel in vain. Men become sure of God when they pray to him. Mark the result to have a clear consciousness of God is to be filled with power. Let's pray. Father, what an invitation lies before us. May your spirit move mightily in your church to help us take up that invitation, this precious offer that cost your son his blood, that we could come boldly into your presence, bring everything, every burden to your feet. And through the blood of Jesus, have a relationship with you as our father to invite your mighty hand to move once again in our individual lives, our nation, and our world. I pray that in these next quiet moments, you would lead in here. We're going to take a few moments in prayer, just between you and God. I want to invite you to make whatever commitment you need to, whatever he's leading you to commit to regarding prayer. Talk to him about it. Maybe some repentance is needed, some, some new commitment. I don't know. Spend a few moments in prayer, give it to him and ask him to move. I would hate if we talked about prayer this morning and we all went out of here the same. That would be pointless, but it'd be really exciting if we took God up at his word. So Lord, move in this room right now.